When we say that we know someone, what does that mean? Recently, I was at a wedding, and uh, the person who, the pastor, retired pastor who was officiating the wedding was a pastor by the name of Jay Hoffman. And uh, before the ceremony started, uh, one of the people that was there asked me, oh, do you know Jay? And I had to think for a second in terms of how to answer uh, because I had, I had met Jay before, and, and I knew him by reputation. I'd heard people talk about him. And uh, I finally said something like, uh, well, I, I don't really know him in person, but I, I know of him. And, and it made me start to think about, okay, then what does it take uh, to know somebody? What does it mean to know anyone? Um, is it just that you know who they are? Uh, is it that you have met them before or had a few conversations with them? Uh, how much sharing has to take place between two people before they can say that they really know someone? One of the things that's a part uh, of uh, our job as pastors and that we do through the years is, is write recommendations or, or give recommendations. Uh, we often have people who will come from the congregation to us and they may be applying for a job or they may be applying for an internship or, or maybe even for a school or something like that. And so they'll, they'll get a hold of us, one of us, and they'll say, could you write me a recommendation or, or someone's going to call and would you be willing uh, to give me a recommendation? And, and most of the time I always say, sure, you know. And what's interesting is that, that when that person calls me or when I have that application, one of the first things they want to know, they start asking things like, well, how long have you known the applicant? And what are the situations in which you have been in with this applicant? What they really want to know is, how well do you know this person? And I have to say, there's been a couple of times, just a couple, uh, when someone has come to me and said, uh, from the congregation, has come to me and said, would you write me uh, a, a, a reference or would you be a reference for me? And I've had to say, no, I don't think I can. And, and they get kind of, you know, their faces downfalling a little bit and I, and I feel bad, you know, but I have to say, I said, you know, listen, honestly, um, I just don't know you well enough. Because this is what's gonna happen, the application, if it's a written thing, they're gonna start asking me all these questions about how well I know you, and they're gonna be asking me personal questions about you, and all I can put down there is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You know how's that gonna look for a reference? You know, what's the person gonna think if that's, and so I encourage them, I said, think of someone who knows you well. Uh, who can give you uh, the kind of, of reference, recommendation uh, that you need. Well, we're, we're preaching through this series, Who Am I? Uh, a question we've been answering with all these little I am statements about uh, ourselves. And the underlying premise of this is that we can only truly know who we are when we're in Christ, when we have named Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And so we've explored different statements like, I am loved and I am broken, I'm forgiven. I'm never alone, I'm set apart, I'm secure. And this morning we're going to explore the statement, I am meant to know God. I am meant to know God. It's an important I am statement. Uh, it encompasses the first part of our church motto, 
And again, if you don't know what our church motto is, it's reaching up, reaching out, growing, oh, do this, growing together. Give yourself a hug, okay? Reaching up, reaching out, growing together. I just made that up. That's pretty, oh, should it be this way? Oh, okay, good. Use the hands. Reaching up, reaching out, growing together. Ooh, yeah. That could work. We could do that. But we're doing the first one, you know, reaching up, okay? Uh, it's not first by accident. It's not just that, that, that somehow, as we were thinking about this, how, does, how do the words flow, you know, or whatever? Uh, it, it is a foundational idea. It, it's the first thing. It comes first in understanding. And so I think it's important for us today as we talk about what does it mean to know God? How important is that in the grand scheme of things? Um, Jesus at what we have come to call the Last Supper. You know, we, we refer to it as communion, uh, some of those things. But, but at that initial Last Supper was Passover and Jesus was there. At one point in the meal, uh, later in the meal, uh, he shared this lengthy prayer uh, with his disciples and for his disciples and, and for the world and for us. Uh, it's kind of interesting. You read that in John 17, uh, and he prays for all those who will come to the Lord through the testimony of the disciples. When he says that, I hope you see your name there because that's us, that Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, in that moment is praying for us. He's looking you know, down the halls of the future, and he's praying for us. But in that prayer then, as he begins that prayer, he says some important things, and I just want to read uh, the first five verses This is what uh, the Apostle John records that Jesus said. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So many huge ideas and concepts in just this simple beginning to, to Jesus' prayer. Um, But I want us this morning to focus on verse three in this passage where he says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, right up front, Jesus is saying, this is important. This is something, uh, Lord, that I care about deeply. And so we're gonna talk about what it means to know God. Uh, Just a couple of ideas this morning. The first is this, knowing God is our starting point for life. Knowing God is our starting point for life. God is the creator of all things. And again, you know, that we understand that he created all things, but the epitome, okay, the pinnacle, the acme, uh, the focus, how many more words can I think of, uh, of that creation is what? Who? Say people. Yes, people. Yeah, I knew you were with me. All right, so people, yeah, we are the focus of his creation. You go to Genesis and you see there, uh, especially in creation in that first chapter, you know, it's like this parade of things that God is creating and saying are good. And he finally gets, he builds the nest, 
okay? He builds the house in which he's going to place his most valued creation of all, people. And so the last thing in the parade as it comes through is the most important thing, and that is people. It's not the trees, it's not, you know, the kangaroos, it's not those things, it's, it's people, you know, and, and, and we find then how intimate this is and how personal this is for God in Genesis 2 when we're told that God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And then he extends that life by taking a rib from Adam and making Eve. And together then, they are most holy and totally in the image of God. He doesn't say that about any of the rest, you know, not the rest of creation is in the image of God. People, man and woman together, are in the image of God. And it's his desire then, as he has created them, uh, that he uh, would know them. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He, he continued through history to reach into the lives of human beings, constantly trying to call them to himself, to know them. He desires deeply this relationship with them. Genesis also then reveals to us that God gave Adam and Eve a choice to obey him and live or to obey or disobey him and then to die. And we know what they chose. They chose to disobey and through that choice, sin and death entered the world. People then were separated from creation. They were separated from each other, but most profoundly, they were separated from God. And what do you have when you become separated from the author of life? All that's left is death. But the good news for us is that God didn't want us to remain separated. He decided to do something about it. And when he did, it happened over a period of time. Uh, we can read as we go through the Bible, we can read how he worked in history through time until he came to that point in which he moved with power and sent Jesus in fact, Paul says it this way in Galatians 4, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. How badly does he want to know us? So badly he would send his son to die and to rise again, to make a way that we might become part of his family, to know us that well and that we would want to know him. It is in accepting Jesus then as our Savior and Lord that we come to truly know God and truly begin to live. And any kind of life without him is merely a shadow of what true life is meant to be. There are a lot of people in this world who know about God, or at least they, they think they do, but they don't really know him, so they chase after all kinds of other things. Now, that's why the prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 9, these words, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they understand and know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. As Jesus himself prayed in our earlier John passage, life 
is only found by knowing God and his son Jesus. The same John who wrote, recorded these words of Jesus later wrote in a letter in 1 John 5, whoever has the son has life, whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Knowing God is our starting point. It is the beginning of life, but it's more than just the beginning. Our second idea is this then, knowing God is the goal of our journey through life. Knowing him is the goal of our journey through life. It's not just that I learn some basic facts about God or, or accept Jesus as my savior even, or come to church once in a while to straighten out my theology and then go on about my own business. Knowing God is an ongoing journey. Theologian John Packer in his book entitled Knowing God, what a great title, huh? for what we're talking about. He writes this, he says, the greatest weakness of the church today is that we have reduced knowing God to some intellectual exercise. Many Christians view God like someone looking through the wrong end of a telescope, so reducing him to tiny proportions. Such people cannot help but end up as tiny Christians. Our daily life goal should be to know God more and we will never reach the end of that endeavor. Have you ever done that with a telescope? You know, I remember as a little kid, you know, we'd get a hold of a, of a telescope of some kind, you know, uh, kind of like the, I say pirate telescope kind or whatever. And maybe I should say explorer telescope. That's better than pirates. But I turn around, you look through the big end and, you know, everybody seems really far away. And that's what Packer's talking about. It's what we do with God sometimes. Instead of drawing him close, we've, we've pushed him back, pushed him away to the point that how can we really know him at all? In my life group, we're going through a study by Pastor Francis Chan. It's based out of his book entitled Crazy Love. And there he writes the following. He says, the irony is that while God doesn't need us, but still wants us, we desperately need God, but don't really want him most of the time. The core problem isn't the fact that we're lukewarm, half-hearted, or stagnant Christians. The crux of it is, uh, of it all is why we are this way. And it is because we have an inaccurate view of God. We see him as a benevolent being who is satisfied when people manage to fit him into their lives in some small way. We forget that God never had an identity crisis. He knows that he's great and deserves to be the center of our lives. We've talked about this before. I've mentioned it in sermons before. We come at our faith, we come at uh, our, our Christianity sometimes as if it's just something that we add to our lives. Well, I've been going along so far, you know, without God, but uh, I can see that knowing him would be advantageous, you know. There's a lot of different reasons, and I'm convinced uh, of who he is and what he has done through Jesus. Uh, and, and so I think that I need to become a Christian. Uh, so I'm gonna take that Christianity and I'm just gonna add it on you know, to my life right here, along with all the other things I have, and then we'll just go forward. But that's not what it's about. That's not how we were created. That's not what God is looking for, what he wants, and it shouldn't be what we want. Rather, God needs to be the reason for our lives. He needs to be the foundation of our every thought and action. 
He needs to be the center part of how we define ourselves in every moment. And I get it, it's hard to keep him front and center. But when we do that, that's when we truly experience life. That's when we truly understand then and know him. Francis Chan goes on to say that when we're in love with someone, we want to know everything about them. Now, that made me think about when I first started dating Twyla. You know, and, and early on, you know, when, uh, when she first noticed me and asked me out, uh, yeah, okay. But did, I, did I say the wrong thing? I'm telling the truth, right? Anyway, she didn't want to talk about it. So <laughs> when we noticed each other, you know, and, uh, and we went on our first few dates, uh, we spent a huge amount of time talking. Now, I know some of you, that's no surprise because you know how much we like to talk, but that's not it, okay? Uh, rather, what was going on there was uh, I saw her, I was attracted to her, I wanted to know everything about her. I wanted to know what she liked, what she disliked. I wanted to know the experiences that she'd had. I wanted to know what the goals for her life were. I wanted to know everything. I was drawn to her in that way. And I'm hoping that that's the reason she kept talking to me is because she wanted to know everything about me. And I'll tell you then uh, that as, as we grew in our marriage, as our marriage continued, that didn't stop. I continued year after year to learn more and more about her and know her better and better. And even still today, to this day, being married for 45 years, yeah, 46? 45. It was 45 because we went on a cruise this year with the group down to Mexico to build houses, yeah, for our 45th. So, (laughs) anyway, uh, 45 years, and she still surprises me. Just when I think I've got her figured out, she pulls something that I don't expect. And I'm suddenly back to, oh man, you know, I just learned something new about this woman I've spent 45 years, well, longer than that because we were dating, but 45 years married together. And, and I hope you see, this, it's an illustration of what God is looking for from us, right? How many times in the scriptures does the Bible use the analogy of marriage uh, for the relationship between God and us. And so it, it, it's this idea that in our relationship with God, we get to know him more and more because we love him. That's what Francis Chan's talking about. He already loves us with everything he's got that he sent his son to die for us. You know, he's shown us that. It, it, we are the ones now who are learning to love him and knowing him more and more each and every day. That's what we are called to. Our elders have been reading through a book entitled, Your Longing Has a Name. Uh, Author Dominic Doan, uh, this last week in chapter six, uh, said these words, God wants something more than your discipline. He wants your heart. There's a huge difference between behavior modification and deep transformation. Following Jesus isn't about checking off boxes. It's about growing in love. 
Knowing God then is this ongoing love relationship in which we want to know everything about him. We dare not become apathetic in our pursuit of God. We already know that apathy within a marriage will tear at the very fabric of a marriage. We need to remember that apathy towards God will tear at the very relationship that we have with him. So pursue God. Pursue him in the pages of scripture. Pursue him in prayer. Pursue him in relationships where you talk about him and you listen to others talk about him. Work at building your love for God. Pursue him in your everyday life. Uh, I think sometimes we kind of think, okay, yeah, I need to learn more about God. And so that's why I'm here, right? You're here today so you can learn more about God. And I hope you're learning something. That's what we want, that you're knowing him better, that when you leave today, you'll know God just a little bit better than when you, when you came in. But he wants you to learn about him and know him every day. Can you learn about God at work or at school or in sports or your hobby or at home, cleaning the house, working with your kids, putting up with your parents? Can you learn about God in those situations? Of course. If we allow his Holy Spirit, by the way, there's another way God has shown us how much he wants to know us. He's placed his very spirit inside of us when we accept Jesus. If we let him do that work, he'll, he'll show us. He'll open our eyes to ways that God is working and suddenly, you know, something that I've been stressing about at work or whatever, and, and, and God blesses me in that moment or does something, or he teaches me patience and shows me how he walks with me through it or whatever it be, and, and suddenly I've learned something about God. You know, whatever your endeavor, whatever thing you come across, you, you meet a stranger even and, and, and you're blessed in that moment, or you meet a stranger and you get beat on a little bit and, and you go to God and say, Lord, you know, help my perspective, and he does. And you learn a little, more, a little bit more about God and, and you give him praise and you give him glory. Yes, as he leads you. So pursue him in the everyday in the every moment. Well, lastly, knowing God is our ongoing purpose even after this life. Our life here on this planet is a temporary life. Uh, We tend to forget that. And I think there are a couple of reasons why we forget that. One is that we live in a world where the media is constantly sending us messages about how we can have temporary happiness. The underlying message being that there are people out there who are living their dream. And so you see these people in ads, you see them in shows or whatever you see, and they seem to have their dream house or their dream, doing their dream vacation or their dream, you know, relationship or whatever it might be, all these different things. And they then try to sell this idea that if you will just Pursue those things. You can have them all too. But it's a lie. And even the people who look like they have everything are dissatisfied without Jesus in their lives. They're dissatisfied. It's never enough. 
The second reason we forget that this life is temporary is that when we do have problems, we're told that there's always an easy solution to our problems. Just take this pill or have this procedure or take this course or buy this item and your problem, whatever it is, will be instantly fixed until it isn't. And the third reason we forget that this life is temporary is that we are overwhelmed and trying to have it all and to do it all, we stuff our lives so full of stuff that we don't have time to think about tomorrow, let alone 20 years from now, let alone what happens after I step off this planet. Our stress and anxiety keeps us constantly in the immediate. Evan mentioned the Spire conference and we got to listen to a lot of great speakers there. But one of the speakers we heard was a representative of the, of the Bar, Barna Corporation. Barna, or Barna Group, I guess they call themselves. Barna is that, that, that group of people who are always taking polls uh, of people, just the general common people across the United States or the world to try and keep their finger on the pulse of what people think or what they want or what their needs are or those sorts of things. And so uh, at one point, uh, there was a question that they, they dealt with and the question was centered around, uh, what is it that non-believers, and they, they categorized them or called them uh, the, the AANs, the agnostics, atheists, and nuns. And nuns don't think of, a, of a, a gal in a black habit thing. They mean nun as in N-O-N-E, nun. They, they don't have any religion, they don't believe anything, it's, it's not, not even just atheists, but they're just the nuns, they don't really mess with it, okay? So they're asking the question, what are they looking for? Now that's an important question when you think about us being the church, right? Because if, if we're trying to tell them about Jesus, if we're trying to be evangelistic, share the good news, then it might be good for us to know, well, what is everybody looking for? Does Jesus have the answer for what they're looking for? And so it was kind of interesting. This is what their research found uh, currently, uh, the most current research they have. They found that 30% of people want inner peace. 24% want hope. 23% want truth. Are you tracking? We have some answers here, folks, as Jesus people, okay? 23% want personal growth. 22% want some kind of healing. Now, if you're thinking by now, these percentages don't add up to 100%. We're way over 100 by now. That's because uh, as they polled people, they gave more than one answer. So they're sharing basically the percentage of those people that listed any uh, of these things. And those were just the first five. And the whole question of where I'm going after I die didn't even make it into the top 10. I don't think it was in the top 20. People aren't concerned about their eternal destiny because they're so trapped in their immediate pain and anxiety. The chaos that fills their lives every day. And, and it's not just people who don't believe in God. It's Christians too who get trapped in that. We all find ourselves stuck in the immediate. And we forget that this is just a temporary world. We forget that God is central. We forget what Evan shared today at our time of communion. There is nothing that can take us out of the hand of God. Bring it on, world. 
He listed, you know, Paul listed all these things that are terrible things that would cause people to run screaming. And he said, but nothing can take us from the hand of God. We have victory over all those things. And so we find we live in a world that is, is so caught up in this world that we don't have a thought for what happens when it all comes to an end. The reality is that everyone dies at some point. And knowing God is the only thing that takes us into life beyond this temporary world. I've done a lot of funerals through the years. And it's always interesting to me how, how people can be just, you know, running from this thing to that, going, going, going all the time in their lives, and then someone close to them passes away, especially when it's someone who's a little bit younger, and it pulls them up short, slaps them in the face, and suddenly they're thinking, what's beyond, what happens next? Where did they go? Maybe even a thought of where am I going? And I try always to, to speak to that reality. But somehow for us as believers, we need to fight against getting caught up in the immediate in that way. Yes, there are things that need to be done. Yes, there's even a mission we have as believers. There are things that are urgent in our lives. But we need to, in the back of our mind, realize that, that God is calling us to eternity. He's bringing us there. He's perfecting us toward that. You know, there's an old song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, that is, and I won't feel at home any, in this world anymore. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I almost remembered it all. Old ham. You know, we could debate the theology of those words. You know, obviously God made this earth as our home and that sort of thing, but, but it's temporary. And so we need, we need to seek God and, and to know him and to know that he's, he's preparing us. That's that word I've talked about before, sanctification. We're being made holy, okay, as we know him. The more we know him, the more we're different from the people around us, the more we can speak about peace and hope and truth. The very things that the poll says everyone is looking for. And we know God. So we have answers, or at least I hope that we do. I hope that you do. And it's in seeking him that we ourselves personally find these things and then are able to help others to find these things. As John said in our opening passage, this is eternal life that we know the only true God and Jesus whom he sent. The apostle Paul reminds us that there is a time coming when our eyes will be opened just a little bit wider, more clearly. 
First Corinthians 13, he says, now we see now, right now in this world, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Knowing God through his son Jesus is what takes us into eternity where we will see clearly what God has done. And since we have an infinite God and an infinite amount of time once, you know, I say once we get to heaven, right now we have an infinite amount of time if we know Jesus. The death becomes a door, not just an ending. What will we be doing for all eternity? That's a sermon for another time. We could talk about several things, but I will tell you, I certainly don't know the answers, all the answers to that question, but one thing I do know is this, we will continue to grow in our knowledge of God and know him more and more throughout eternity, giving him the praise, honor, and glory. I know this to be true. God made us for himself. He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He, he has pursued a relationship with people throughout human history. He has made a way for us to be brought back into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And now, rather than looking around at all the things that the world tells us would solve our problems, he calls us to look up to him, to know him. When someone I don't know meets me and asks me, who are you? What kind of an answer might I be able to give? I think about it, that's, that's happened, probably happened to you, it's happened to me uh, numerous times throughout my life. And, and I can answer in all kinds of different ways. I could say, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor, you know, or I could say I'm, I'm a husband and a, and a father and a grandfather. Uh, I could say, you know, that, that I'm an Oregonian, you know, uh, whatever. You could just keep going on with all kinds of things. But I wonder, I wonder what kind of reaction I would get, because I've never really done it this way, but I wonder what reaction I would get if someone said, asked me, well, tell me who you are. And I said, I'm someone who knows God. Where do you think the conversation would go then? You know, what would be their response? But you know what, I can proudly say that. Now, I've said that before in different ways. I've said, well, you know, I'm a Christian. You know, uh, I believe in Jesus. I, I've said that, uh, but I think about that. You know, uh, it's a little bit different in a bold statement to say, I am someone who knows God. He knows me. It's God's desire that every person on the planet would be able to say that. But for sure, for sure, God expects his children to know him. We need to remember that we are meant to know God. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, it's so good to know you. Uh, even the the, the intimacy of calling you Father speaks of knowing. And that is who you are to us. You have loved us so well through Jesus. And Father, it is our desire 
and I speak for all of us today, it is our desire to love you and know you more and more every day. Lord, help us through the power of your Holy Spirit in us, pull on us, draw us, call us, show us how we can know you more. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.